0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is produced, the Wajak Noongar people, and pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. Hello again, Courtney.
1: Hi, Craig. How are you going?
0: Yeah, good, thanks. Have you managed to deal with the helicopter that's been landing <laughs> next to your office?
1: Look, it's, uh, it's almost landed uh, ready for us to start recording. Um, but unfortunately, I've never actually seen any patients come out of the helicopter. And for, for context, I'm currently uh, sitting in a building across from Royal Perth Hospital and they have a helicopter pad on top of the hospital. Okay. for, like, patients that are uh, uh, need to be transferred from, like, rural places, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I get to watch this helicopter and it's very cool. Uh, but I've never seen any patients come out of it yet. Maybe I'm too far away. I don't
0: know. Okay. okay. Maybe we should get that <laughs> helicopter pilot on for a, an interview that sometime.
1: That would be so cool. Yeah. Oh, man. Could you imagine?
0: Yeah. be brilliant.
1: <laughs> yeah. That'd be awesome. I don't know who it is, though, but, yeah. We, okay. we could ask around.
0: <laughs> yeah. That sounds good. <laughs>
1: oh, funny.
0: Yeah, that's, that's another uh, aspect of health, isn't it? Like the flying doctors.
1: Yeah, yeah, the royal hmm. uh, flying doctor service. That's it. That's um, it? Very cool. That has have some fascinating stories, I think.
0: Yeah, especially from a state like Western Australia, where mm, it's which is so, so spread large. out. Yeah, yeah, uh, excellent. Anyway, enough about pilots and <laughs> flying doctors. Mm-hmm. Um, who have we got on the podcast this episode?
1: So I think this might be our last episode in our Doors Wide Open series.
2: Um,
0: yep.
1: And we have a conversation for you with Lee, who is a peer support worker, uh, along with all the other guests from this uh, particular series. Uh, and we talked to Lee about his experiences about drug use and how he got to being a peer support worker for this uh, wonderful non-for-profit.
0: Yep and uh as with all of the guests we're chatting with them when they're in a pretty good place in their lives um uh, mm-hmm. but they've been through quite a bit to get there mm-hmm. and lee's no exception he found himself in a in a massive hole um and you know as you, you'll hear him tell you in in a bit more detail you know really in need of help and wasn't it didn't actually realize that he needed help or that he had any issues um from his own by his own admission um, but obviously looking back on it, he's quite circumspect about uh, where he was at in life. Um, you know, Lee, Lee talks about, so the, uh, we should probably issue a tr- trigger warning as uh-huh. we have in the previous episodes. Um, Lee does talk about suicide and attempting suicide. Yep. Uh, and obviously quite heavy drug use and uh, various other events that happened um, <laughs> that, yeah, sounded quite traumatic But we'll Um,
1: let him tell you about all those stories uh, if you'd like to listen to them, obviously. Um, But there is that trigger warning, so just in case.
0: (laughs) And we'll be back for a quick recap at the end. So please enjoy our chat with Lee.
1: Things like that. I'm just like, ooh, I've got to touch the walls. Anyway.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, without further ado, i pleased to welcome Lee to the podcast. Yeah. Thanks, yeah. thanks for joining us. No it's great. So we're, we've been speaking with a few of your colleagues today, um, and these are going to go out over separate weeks and, and mm. that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um but, yeah, do you want to just introduce yourself, or tell us what you're doing and your involvement with Doors Wide Open?
3: Yeah, so I'm Lena Billis. Um, I'm a peer support worker at Doors Wide Open and uh, also work for Housing First Support Services, which is an umbrella underneath Care, Breakaway and Doors. Mm-hmm. Work with the homeless as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what, what yeah. else would like to know? So, yeah. so
1: what generally, like what would a typical day look for you as this job, in this job?
3: Oh, um, at doors it's, um, it fluctuates. It's completely yeah. different. You know, one day I might be dealing with, say, it's five hours a day. So yeah. um, on a random busy day, you might get a day where someone might come in and mm-hmm. talk about, say, family domestic violence problems. And next minute you're talking to another person, which might be talking about heroin addiction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And next minute you're talking about someone who's got alcoholism or someone who's talking about homelessness, mm-hmm. you know, so it just ranges. And then sometimes you might have a boring day, which is very quiet. Just mm-hmm. It fluctuates. So yeah. it's, uh, mm-hmm. there's no appointments at doors. So it's just pretty much anyone comes in that's vulnerable, and We just take anyone in and we try to yeah. support them as much as we can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. How okay. many peer support workers are in your team? Uh, we've got, there's
0: Adam, yeah, i to get four or five of us, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so we've spoken to pretty much all of you. Yeah, <laughs> <For the> podcast, <laughs> we've got the whole team. <laughs> and, and you all have different stories to tell and, you know, yeah. different um, paths into doing what you're doing now. So are you, are you happy just to go through what led you, like, you know, maybe start
3: at the beginning and yeah, what definitely. led you to, to, to Doors? Yeah, definitely. So So um, I was in a methamphetamine addiction for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, led to a, um, uh, my partner left me off 10 years, you know, had kids together and everything. So mm-hmm. I lost everything. Mm-hmm. I literally lost everything, the cars, the animals, the kids, mm-hmm. yeah. relationship, and i became become homeless. So I was homeless for about six months. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was still in, um, I was still in strong addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't admit it at that time. And, um, I was always, I wasn't accountable or nothing for my actions, yep. you know, so I was, Running the mark from Perth down south to Bassendean to Collie, everywhere you name it, I was at. Um, got to the point I was living on the streets for a bit, um, till I found um, found about doors and I actually rocked up to doors, um, head to toe covered in blood, mm-hmm. and yeah, uh, I was sleeping under the tree because I'd actually walk around through Bunbury with a backpack. I wouldn't go to sleep till about three or four, fear of getting robbed or something. So you know. I'd, yep lay down under the tree, put the backpack up, put your knives out underneath my back, you know, just in case my mug's are just sleeping out in the open. hmm mm-hmm. And then one of the staff would wake me up at doors. I would go inside there and, um, you know, make a coffee or something, have a chai, have a chat. It was that communication to begin with,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know, and um, someone to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. Because I got to a point when I was in homelessness where – I pushed everyone away, yeah. you know, because I was in that repetitive nature. Yeah. Not yep. accountability, not nothing. Mm. So
0: just to go back a few steps, what was life like before you had those issues that led to you being homeless and, you you know, separating from your partner and that? How, how did you start out? We, you, you know, you guys met when you were, you know, teenagers or?
3: I was in my early 20s and she was in her early 20s. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Things were right, you know. I wasn't in the drugs. So mm-hmm. I had a drink every now and then mm-hmm. um, when I was working, so I was at a full time job. Mm-hmm. And then I started dabbling in drugs a bit throughout the relationship, you know, mm-hmm. um, here and there. And then um, with methamphetamine, it, you know, you don't mean it goes up to like twelve hundred. Right. So once you, you go up and you come down, it's just got to the point, point where I don't want to come down anymore because it felt like I was depressed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And was your partner involved in that? As no, well? no, right. she
3: wasn't. She just drank. Okay. Um, it was all me. Got to the point, it was like a slight bit of sneaky behaviour. I'd go out and get high, you know, yeah. and you know that's what usually happens at the start of an addiction. Yeah. And
0: and how many kids did you guys have? Ah, uh, two. two. Two kids. Okay. okay. So and so, what? How, how long after you started dabbling in drugs did
3: it take for that relationship to end and you kind of go your separate ways? Uh, so she left me in twenty mid twenty nineteen. She left me. Okay. So she left me in twenty nineteen. So I was on drugs for about. In 2016, I got made redundant. In 2016, I got a big payout, mm-hmm. so went on a big holiday, and, and about, I spent about 20, 30 grand on drugs, um, you know, and yeah. So 2016, I was unemployed. Um, then I had bits of employment here and there, didn't really do much. Uh-huh. Uh, so four years, nothing was. I no, don't three years, 2019, nothing was changing. Mm-hmm. I got worse and worse and worse. You know, mm-hmm. I started hanging around the wrong element, started mm-hmm. doing wrong things. Mm-hmm. Uh, people come to the house. Um, it was pretty bad.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay.
3: So, you know, like I see it now, it was best thing that happened is her leaving me, you know, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. And yeah. at the time I was just like, I apologize to her since, you know, it was, just, you know, it's Yeah, it's what happens in addiction. Yeah. Um, so she left me, me in June mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, then pretty much it was the worst, yeah, the worst feeling ever. Yeah. yeah. You know, like. I remember was just packing the ute up, not knowing what to pack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like the police rock up. They called the police to mm-hmm. yep. try to hurry me on. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Mm-hmm. It was pretty hectic. So did yeah. you have a trade originally or what sort of work were you doing? I was a fork driver at a okay. local timber mill. Yep. In, um, yeah, down Darden. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. no worries. And, and so that job finished, you said you got made redundant. Um, yeah, 2016 because I yeah. was actually on drugs and I become lazy at my job. Um, I pretty much had lost like... I don't know, I kind of like lost my I f- felt in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I was on a dead-end job. Um, I just got lazier and lazier at my job. You know, there was no progressing forward. Yep. It wasn't really career. It was just dead-end. And mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, okay. So
1: then you packed up your u. Yeah,
3: Where so I packed, you it, so, um, packed up the ute. Um, I actually re- repacked it three times. <laughs> it was like, yep. you know, I, swear. I didn't know what to take, you know. Of
2: course, yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I went to stay at a mate's house the first night, um, and then I ended up going to Bunbury. Um, it was a bit the whole time, the whole was well, six months. It was pretty hazy, yeah, because I was pretty much everywhere. Because a month after she left me, my mm-hmm. you got stolen. Had all my possessions in it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I pretty much what had happened was that I took a lot of pills. Yep. And I was trying to top myself, of course. All mm-hmm. mm-hmm. right, I was driving through Bunbury trying to top myself. Yep. Anyway, I parked up at this place I was staying. I woke up in the morning, it's gone. All my stuff in it, has gone. Right. Yeah, so that was a month Amazing. after. So that's when I became like uh, I was on the streets. I had like no longer have a vehicle or nothing. So mm-hmm. and I didn't trust the person's house I was in. That's when psych- like, I had my first anxiety, panic attack. Yep. Um, psychosis started kicking in, mm-hmm. you know, and mm. – um, so I was on a backpack on the streets with my backpack yeah. um, walking around. So. D- did you ever find out what happened to your you, ute? Oh, yeah, we found it out to? in the end. The ute um, um, uh, got found in Mandurah um, and it got sent over to an auction now, so it was all got sorted. Right. Yeah,
0: yeah. okay. And there, do you know who taken it? Yeah, we found out <laughs> who yeah, <laughs> took it. A
3: yeah, <laughs> bloke who stayed at the house, uh, he just got out of jail. Okay. Uh, so he took the ute. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. And, of
1: course, it had a lot of... Um, useful possessions in it as well, so.
3: Oh, as far as I know, they, they trashed. I think they trashed. Everything. Oh, enough okay. What I heard was you, it was getting used to other things and rounded right. about. Wow. Well, yeah, so that, that in itself would be pretty traumatic. Yeah. Without, without all the other stuff <laughs> yeah, that was going on pretty pretty for you. Pretty much. It was, yeah. it was really it was really weird. Um, my state of mind, like, usually I would have wicked it and been stressed out, but mm-hmm. I don't know, because I lost my family, Yeah. Mm-hmm. lost my kids. Listening to you, I, d- I just didn't seem through That whole six—you got to understand—this whole six months was surreal. I was very yeah. high, very drunk. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I went to the lowest of lows you could go to. I, mm-hmm. At one point, I was sleeping in a enclave where there was just like puke and spew. Someone else's puke and spew. I was sitting in. Yeah. All right. You know, yeah. it was it was a crazy six months. Yeah. Just unaware of really what was going on. Yeah, yeah uh, I didn't want to. I didn't want to like. I was having my first. Uh, I remember my first week she left me, I was having nightmares. So mm-hmm. like, I'd I go to sleep and then I dream about the kids were next to me and she was next to me, and I wake mm-hmm. up and they weren't there, and I just start screaming. Yeah, you know, okay. like it was, it was. I acted out a lot, yeah. I caused a lot of destruction, a lot of chaos, and um, yeah. it was pretty brutal. Yeah, it's pretty full on.
1: And what was um the psychosis like? What was your main things there? It
3: was. It was pretty much torture. Yeah. So, like, I, I built up like, a lot, lot of enemies and the stuff I was doing, you know, and um, got to the point, like, there was a lot of distrust, you know, because the family wanted to keep, I understand now, didn't understand back then, my family wanted me to keep be away from my children. Yeah. So they'd say they'd be dishonest about things. Um, and all of a sudden, in your mind, mm. what would happen in your mind, it'd be like a story.
2: Yeah.
3: And pretty much, part sometimes you'd know it was a story in your mind
2: mm. and you
3: get back to reality mm-hmm. then all of a sudden something will happen and bang you're back in that story.
2: Right.
3: Mm. And if you're not careful that story won't snare ya and then all of a sudden you're on a roller coaster of craziness. Mm. Yeah. You know, and it was hard to, and it'd be hard to get out of one day I was stuck in psychosis for like two or three days.
1: Yeah, and yeah. what was your kind of main main theme with it? Was it people keeping you away from your kids?
3: It was everything, really. Um, it was people after me because um, yep. at that time, part my ex put a, um, a VR army, yeah,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, which I breached, and I was on bail from the. Um, I was on bail on the state, you know, because I was NFA, I was no mm-hmm. fixed address,
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know. And you know, at that time, I thought I was getting followed, this this, and that, yep. under surveillance, because I had been under surveillance when I was living with my ex, you know. Mm-hmm. Police picked up the cars and said these cars are under surveillance. So when you're in that life. Of being under surveillance and this, this, and that, and then you put on the streets and you get into psychosis, yep. you resort back to that mindset, and all mm. of a sudden you, you, see, you see those people walking around and they're looking over their shoulders, yeah. this, this, and that. It was like that, in, but you, you think you are in a movie; it's crazy.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah interesting. So did you have, ever have any um, assistance from a doctor or anyone who's kind of said, "Look,
3: these are your issues"? Or um, I went and seen a doctor at um, I went to the AP. I think it was the APU. Again, I was really high mm. and um, I just kind of still tongued my way through it. And then I just walked out and they said, I'll oh, give this call back. But mm. there was a time when I topped myself, tried to top myself in Collie. And I went to Collie Hospital, they banned me that charcoal drink. <laughs> oh,
2: yeah. And they
3: transported me to Bunbury. And I woke up and I had a massive psychotic episode. I thought these guys in the room next to me were after me and stuff. So right. I pulled the plugs off my chest, oh, you yeah. know, yep. got up yep. off, off the bed. They'll try yeah, they trying trying run. nurses were following me around. Can you please pee in a cup? Can you yeah. please take <laughs> this? I'm like, no, no, <laughs> no, give me a bottle that's not open, not you know. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, try yeah. and rug yeah. me. <laughs> and I just and I was I said, I want to go, and they're like, you know, call us as soon as you can. I said, All right, all right. And I didn't. Yeah. And I just mm-hmm. um, ended up bailing from the hospital, yeah, mm-hmm. pretty much done a runner.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there yeah. anything like from the hospital you wish that they did do?
3: Um,
1: Is there anything you think they could have done to?
3: At that time, in that mind state, yeah. no. I was, yeah. I was pretty, I was pretty. I was pretty fried, and yeah. I was I was out of it completely. Yeah. I was in a bad mm. state. Yeah. The fact that I should have been put under a suicide watch because they clearly knew I, I was telling them, you know, I tried to top myself. Mm. I'm better, and mm-hmm. tell them I was better now. Mm. How easy it was for me to just like walk out. Yeah, mm. you know that's crazy. Yeah. They should have probably put you under an order, shouldn't they? Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, I was in psychosis clearly. Yeah, and I just tried to top myself. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. it's just like, come on. Yeah, yeah should have been. pulled these things off myself and I've got out of bed and it's yeah. like, I'm out, i fine, and fine. Really? Were yeah, you, yeah, were you ever bad. made involuntary? What was
0: that, sorry? Were you ever made involuntary where you couldn't leave the hospital, you know, where a psychiatrist would sign a, no. an order? No. No, okay, no. so that never no. happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's
1: not often done.
0: No, it's not, but, you know, when there's can a be very case, hard. it yeah, does it, happen. It yeah. can be very
1: hard to get a psychiatrist
0: Oh, often, Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've had... Um, friends who have had, mm. you know, psychosis issues, you know, very acute, yeah. sort of short-lasting ones, where they were told, "If you leave, we will make you involuntary. We're not mm. going to do it unless mm. we have to, mm-hmm. but
3: we will." You know, I just smart talked them pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and get them. out of it. Yeah, yeah. I like, <laughs> pretty much smart-talked, them, smart-talked my way out. It was like yeah. way manipulation. I don't know, but yeah.
0: I got out of it. So, yeah. And, and I'm assuming the psychosis was drug-induced. Definitely, hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Mm. And so mm-hmm. you've never had any issues like that pre-using drugs no or since you
3: stopped yeah. no okay. I was using a lot of meth I was using yep. a, a lot of meth and um and the situation I was in you know like not not wanting to deal with that grief mm-hmm. of loss mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not accepting that and that would fuel it and then I'll you know become this crazy pain which I try to cope with while taking meth yeah you know mm-hmm.
0: Fast forward to the the moment where you turn up to doors covered in blood. How, how did that come about? All right,
3: <laughs> uh, so I was at my mother's house, and um, she, when you're on meth and stuff like that, your parents grow tired if you're really quick trying to help you, you know. Mm. So I have slammed my head into the brick wall, you know. And the sun is on, there's was blood everywhere. I was driving around, bum <laughs> covered in blood, right. mm. you know. And I went to doors, as so I said, you know, or right, I need help. Mm. You know, I need help with this. So I go to doors, and sent people on doors, and. You know, they said I'll come back when you clean up, but you know, always welcome to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, but yeah, now went into doors that helped me a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, I was kind of a starter for like getting into life and recovery. Yeah, you know, to my okay. up. Yeah,
1: okay. and what what were the steps from then?
3: Alright, oh, um, go so um, going to I, I started going to like doors. I started treating it as like a routine. Yeah. So, I got to the point – so, a lot of things had transpired before that. So, this is like, later on yep. in my homelessness. So, I would go to doors and, like, so I'd wake up, you know, waking up under a tree or just walk in mm-hmm. and that'd be my structure. Go to there every day, mm-hmm. Monday to Friday, open door close. And then, night the time, find something to do.
2: Yeah.
3: And then, one day, someone mentioned me who, who thought about rehably. You know, I know I was like – I was doing counselling at doors as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to turn my life around. I was um, – I was couch surfing, um, here and there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I got to the point where something had to change. I was talking to the right people yep. who'd mm-hmm. been he'd been there. So, um I asked uh, I asked the people at doors, you know, can you hook me into um, I wanna to go to rehab so they got me into Serenian house. Oh, yeah. So I've gone to three House in Nanup mm-hmm. where um, I did detox for seven days, mm-hmm. and that that sucked. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, <laughs> got, that would they got me on the
3: antipsychotics, and I was like so numb watching movies. I was like, ah, yeah,
2: yeah,
3: yeah. Um, and I did eight months in the um, Nanup um, in a nap TC, yeah, you know, which really yeah. really changed me. Mm. Yeah.
0: So do, are you able to talk us through um, the process from arriving there and, and yeah, how, sure. that, how yeah. that worked and then what you did, you know, the work you did, and yeah. then being able to leave. Yeah, for sure.
3: So, um, so the detox was pretty much simple. Um, you just stay in detox, take your meds, PRNs when you need them, just mm-hmm. to quiet your mind down. Just drink lots of juice, eat lots of food, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give you some support I to so talk to. Um, and then after seven days, I was supposed to be fourteen days, but I was about to. I wanted to leave. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. One of the support staff coming to with a chessboard and he beat me. So I was like, all right, I'm staying. I've got to beat you. Yeah. <laughs> so incident and apt, so you go into an assessment for about, I think it was three weeks in assessment. Mm-hmm. So like you're learning how to place work sort of rules and stuff like that. And then you know, give you an AT, which is like what brought me to rehab. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you start getting these assignments you have to do. You have to write essays.
2: Yeah. And
3: it's all internal. Yeah. Okay. Reasons why. So I wrote my, um, what brought me to rehab. And, it, you know, it was painful. To write, you know, you start facing your monsters. There's mm. no more meth. There's no more band aid. Yep. Door's yep. open. You got to deal with it. Mm. Um, so after your three weeks, you do like a traffic light system, which got me into stage one. And I think stage one was, don't quote me. I was a while. I think it was a. It's an eight month. It was a, 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 a thirty two week program. So mm. I think it was. I don't know six weeks or some or yeah. seven week, twelve weeks. I can't remember exactly. Don't quote me. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, it was um, stage one. And and they keep giving you, like, you do, like, it's like a, how do I say? It's like creatures and yangers, so, like, it was, like, a a chow it was, like, a therapeutic community so the residents would challenge each other. Mm-hmm. Support okay. it was like a supporting type of way yep. so yep. a Quidditch is an awareness yep. so mm-hmm. if I left a cup of coffee or a cup empty cup on a table I get supported a Quidditch yeah mm-hmm. so then I have to think and reflect on it a younger reason for um, I do something oh, good yeah. and it's like an award yeah okay yeah so and I get Quidditch for the most craziest of things mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know it was it was a tough time um you know the phone calls I used to get. Call my kids, mm-hmm. you know, and having to deal with that, that was painful. The ex, moving on, that was mm-hmm. painful. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was a great experience, you know. Mm-hmm. You learn a lot about yourself. I recommend it to anyone. It's very behavioral based. Yeah.
0: So is it CBT and that sort of thing that you're doing a lot?
3: Or, yeah. Yeah, 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 a lot of CBT, mm-hmm. a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of AOD um, classes, talks about the, what drugs drugs can do, mm-hmm. the ripple effect. Um, Learned about how to deal with grief, the five stages of grief. Mm -hmm. Learned about mindfulness, meditation, um, responsibilities, time management skills. Pretty much becoming a human being again. There was one one TA I had to do or one track I had to do. I had to ask five residents a day what empathy meant to them. Right. Okay. And then I had to write an essay on it. Yep. So I was learning. I was learning how to be empathetic again. Yeah. So okay. um, like, drugs had caused me to be not empathetic anymore. I was so um, empathetic man, I was like very apathetic.
2: And
1: that um that first essay that you wrote about like why you want to go to rehab or any of those kind of things did you ever get to like keep them?
3: Yeah, you yeah. keep like, them all. I've got i got all my I've got all my books. You know? Have you
1: ever gone back and definitely yeah
3: definitely like I've uh, done heaps I read heaps about them yeah. There's, um, like, ones I did on Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. Oh, yeah. Um, I did one on different leadership styles. Mm-hmm. And it's helped me where I'm at now, like, in, in people I work with now, you know.
2: Yeah,
3: right. It's mm. helped a
0: lot. Mm. So just going through, going back to the CBT, so you went through the, like, see I'm assuming it was, some, was it group therapy or was it with one-on-one with a therapist? Okay, so you had
3: your own personal counsellor. Yeah. So I had my own personal counsellor and I developed an ITP, like an individual treatment plan. Mm-hmm. Yep. So like you do you have the step so they did the NA steps, step work, which is step one, two, and three there. Yep. Step worker. Um, they give you work to do. So I had to have I'd work given to me about different things. Mm-hmm. But there's also group therapy. So it's your processing groups, you know, like everyone had their processing days. Like I said, it was all the support system, which is okay. younger's acquittes. Yeah. Um, so you had your very group days, people read out their ATs, awareness tasks and stuff like that. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: uh from my understanding of C B T it's it's about changing how you process information and how your perspective on what something means when it happens and how you deal with it. Is
3: that Loosely. I think so. Yeah, we mainly the main word at Australian um, was neuroplasticity. Mm, okay, mm-hmm. you know, like because when you fry your, your brain on drugs, it's mm-hmm. like these neurons or p- parts of the brain just mm-hmm. close they, they off, die, they die, yeah, yeah. die, yeah, So they feed you full of information, which is yeah. trying to regrow your brain. So That's right, you're yeah. on a healthier diet, healthy regime. You're learning time management. Mm-hmm. You're learning all these healthy stuff. Learning how to for your emotions and your feelings. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Okay.
0: And so, how do you see the world differently now, having gone through that? (laughs) It's a big question. That
1: is a very big question.
0: (laughs) But I guess let's let's break it down to. In the past, something might go wrong, and your coping mechanism would be to take drugs. Yeah. To to avoid having to deal with So what's the
1: coping mechanism
3: dealing with triggers and stuff like that. All right. So so using the CBT. So using like uh, so like going to like if I get triggered start breathing, do breathing technique, you know, four, 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 in for four, hold for four, out for four. Okay. Go you know, ground yourself mm-hmm. if you need to use consequential thinking, mm-hmm. you know, if I do that, this will happen. If I pick up this, that will happen. Yeah. Radical acceptance. Okay, okay I can accept that this is the situation, mm-hmm. you know, I've got to deal with it, you know. Yeah. Um, pick up the phone, like a phone call, call for support, you know. Yeah. Well, back then it will just be like, bugger this, I need to use a drug or I need yeah. to pick up a drink. And it, you know, yeah, works out, and it's seeing life these days. Well, I'm like having a hard day at work on a Friday, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's Friday. I want to have a drink. Mm. For me, it's like it's Friday. I have a, on a bottle of kombucha I have a glass of water. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. I've got to process these emotions. I've got to process yeah. these things. You know, yeah. if I have a tough day where something brutal's happened, or like mm-hmm. I'm going for some serious emotions, mm-hmm. I've got to process them healthily.
2: Yeah,
3: you know, I've got to like use those tools I've been given at rehab. Yeah. And it's yeah. process of it thoroughly, you know, reach out when I can. If I've gone through anxiety, if I'm having a bit of a panic attack, mm-hmm. breathe through it, breathe through it, work through it. Yeah, call someone, have a chat mm-hmm. to
0: someone I trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and how long would you say did it take for you, for that to become a, a habit for you that you were able to repeat without really thinking about it too much? Like it was just a,
3: that's how you react now. Is you take these steps? Eight months from rehab. Eight, yeah. eight months, so, yeah. Uh, you, can, you can pretty much, the way I'd explain to rehab to so my buddies I get in rehab, I'd say rehab's like an army barracks. All mm-hmm. right? So you're you them tools. Like they're like tools in your, your tool belt, your weapons, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. You're getting trained yeah. before you go back into the real world.
2: Yeah.
1: And mm-hmm. you find it easy, easy to kind of take those tools into the real world and use them. Definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely.
3: Yeah. Um, I just I recommend it to anyone, yeah. even people who aren't addicts, to give it, give it a go because mm. you work on your behaviors. You mm. can identify, like, say, if someone annoys me,
2: mm-hmm.
3: there's a reason why that person's annoying me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm seeing something in them that's. That's a resentment of me. Mm-hmm. It's a mirroring behavior. Mm-hmm. So that person's not annoying me. It's something about them that reminds me of me that's annoying. Yeah. Right. Right. Like a personality mm-hmm. trait or a behavior. Yeah. Right. yeah. You know, so it's just, you see seen the world in different ideas, different styles. You know, it's, it's, it's seen the world now since I've been out of rehab. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. like, I enjoy things differently. Or I look at life differently. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Is
2: there
1: something that, like, does bring you a lot of enjoyment and joy now that maybe even before the drugs um you didn't appreciate as much time with my a,
3: kids yeah percent time with my kids um i wasn't really a present father back then i thought i was a present father yeah but mm-hmm. i wasn't you know yeah. i was just lying to myself yeah. more of a present father now spending yeah. time with my kids is probably the best thing i can actually do mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. also seeing like when i see a clients um succeeding what i need to succeed you know because when i see a client I, I hear their story, mm-hmm. it just reminds me of me. And I mm-hmm. see them. When I see them succeed, mm-hmm. it's just like, it's amazing. And
1: yeah, that'd be really rewarding. Mm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the, the situation with the kids now, do, yep. do you get to, you
3: know, spend as much time with them as you'd like or? It's all about being realistic. Okay. So I'm okay. in a share house. Yeah. So most people ask for 50-50. I know it's like I I ask every second weekend. So I get them every mm-hmm. second weekend. Mm-hmm. Tuesday nights Friday nights for dinner mm-hmm. so it's just all understanding in time that I can work towards that Yeah. but no I still get them which is yeah. a lot better yeah. so. and sounds how nice. old
1: are they
3: now? Um, my daughter is uh, she's five my son's nine
1: yeah Okay. Nice.
0: so it sounds like you've got a, a very um, continuous connection yes you know with regular meetings and mm. you yeah. know contacts and stuff that's good yeah, no. yeah. No, that's great yeah and so with your with um, the work that you're doing at Doors yeah What's your role at the moment
3: like with with helping people who come in? What what do you have to do? Oh, so I'm just peer support workers. What yeah. I do is like like I just talk to them. If someone comes in, it depends on who comes in. If okay. someone comes in and I know for a fact I get more out of one of the other guys or one of the other ladies, mm-hmm. I'd say talk to this person, this person is probably better for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing for me.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. So I just talk to them, listen, mainly listening. Mm-hmm. So it's mainly like listening support. Yeah. So, okay, so for example, you've come into the door uh, how can we help you today? Oh housing. I said, okay. Or it's like meth use. Right. Talk about that. Yeah. And what I'll do is I offer options. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like sort of leaving is offering options. what are you interested in? You know, are you interested into going to like next step, a detox clinic? Would you be going into rehab? Would you interested in AD cancelling? You know, I could talk to cat but refer them to CADS. Mm-hmm. Um you know, mm-hmm. so just offering options. Yeah. And okay.
1: when, when did you start working for doors?
3: April twenty twenty went to uh at 2021 sorry I yeah 2021.
1: okay and okay. that so because originally you were someone who would walk in yeah um how did that transition happen to okay. being a client to a job
3: okay so after rehab um i kind of i come very close to the people working at doors yeah um i started studying so i've become a volunteer at doors yep. and then i started studying at jsw did like a community care skill set mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and then um Eventually, doors changed hands and I got asked if I wanted to be considered for employment. I said, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, Mm. and that's how that transpired around.
0: Yeah, Mm. Yeah. that's that's interesting. And and do you have any ambitions for, like, further study or a particular direction you might want to head in or are you just happy doing the peer support stuff, you know, 100%. No,
3: 100%. Um, Ever since I admitted I was an addict, like, I was, like, my ninth day in rehab, I admitted I was an addict. Mm -hmm. The moment I admitted that. Mm Mm-hmm. It opened the doors. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be better. I want to better myself in every single way. Yeah. So to answer your question, yes, definitely. You know, like I wanted to do study more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to work towards maybe kind uh, of realistically to, I know, 10 years down the track. i probably open my own practice or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like okay. a holistic style or something like that. Yeah, nice. Yeah, like yes. psychology and therapy. And- yeah, I want, right. I want to get into behavioral yeah. science is what I want to um, get into. But like try to work towards like we're doing now, mm-hmm. but um, a different approach, another approach or something. Mm. Yeah,
1: something a bit more wider. So there's lots of different um, processes and things combined. Yeah. 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 Interesting.
3: Yeah, no, it's interesting. what lot can happen in ten years. Though? A lot of plans oh, yeah. can change. You True. Know? Yeah. So <laughs> that, that, that is just the goal that I'm looking at and yeah. to yeah. transpire to. No, so, you that's, know, that's great. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Do you, do you have um, hobbies and other stuff that kind of keep you occupied as well in <laughs> yeah, your, your spare yeah. time?
3: Well, I had, it took me a while to get back into my hobbies, eh? Because um, it was very triggering, you know, because mm. I, I love me fishing.
2: Oh,
3: okay. Yeah. So, when I went back to fishing, you know, I used to drink a lot when I was fishing. Now so uh, It's just like, yeah. no more drinking just so fishing, but I love fishing mm. even better. Mm-hmm. So, right. fishing, a bit of gaming, kickback, play guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, journaling, poetry, just all mm-hmm. stuff I learnt in rehab. Other things I've taken out with art, um, yeah, yeah, just bits and pieces. Well, yeah. All these, all these things keep you kind of grounded. Yeah, today. pretty much. Yeah. It's, it's, hobbies are a massive thing.
0: Yeah. yeah. Hi, we hope you're enjoying this episode. If you have a minute and enjoy the conversations we bring you, it'd be great if you could go to wherever you get your podcasts and give us a quick rating and review. Not only do we love to get your feedback. But it also helps other people to find us. Thank you, and now back to the show. I guess one of the things, one of the themes that's come up with um, some of the previous people we've spoken to, yeah. is they talked about at what stage in their um, drug addiction they got involved with using needles. Yeah. Did you oh, ever get yeah, to true. that point? Or
3: no, I, I just
0: used to snort it, and I used to use polyps. Okay. Mm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And did you have to sell it to support your habit at any point? Or? 100%.
3: Yeah. If someone says they don't have to sell it because they're a multi-millionaire, they're lying. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Either way you're selling it, you got to sell it. Yeah. Meth is one of those drugs. I spoke to people that did heroin. I spoke to other people in rehab. Yeah. And they said to me that the worst thing they've ever seen is methamphetamine.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's
3: the worst type of drug that it's just... It's, it grabs you and snares. they like such so about bad mm-hmm. dopamine thing, you know, it gets twelve hundred, twelve fifty, 1,200, 1,250, you know, like yeah. And it's just that euphoric. It's that bad. It's just yeah. a rush. and, it's, and it's, Yeah. Do you nuts. think that's
1: – so I, like one of the things that I've kind of heard previously previously is like WA is like meth city, right? Where yeah. we're, we're big on meth um, mm. compared to a lot of other places in Australia and internationally. Yeah. Mm. Um, why? Why do you think that there's there's like a, a reason for that? Is it because of that dopamine rush? And so like, oh, there's like a lot of sellers, or um, yeah, big I question. Yeah, it
3: is. So I'm been to New South Wales, I tried the gear over there. Yeah, and it was, and I that was more for people to inject. Um, oh, okay. It wasn't really for me. Um, yeah. I found that the quality of drugs in WA mm. uh, was always better. Like yeah, okay. even the cocaine and stuff like that.
2: Yeah.
3: I, I've got no idea the reason why yeah. it's better in WA. Sure. could be to the laws and stuff. I've like got that. a
0: hypothesis that we're a big port here. Mm. I think we're the closest port to Southeast Asia. Oh. And, and a lot of these drugs get manufactured in places um, like North Korea and um, not it's not Burma anymore. Um, what's it called? The new um, place.
1: That was Burma?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I'm I've got a so, very mental blank. Yeah. And Sun no. Tzu Chi was the leader until recently and she's now been deposed. Mm. I know. Um, I know. Yeah. 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 yeah anyway, yeah. it'll come to me. There's so, yeah. A couple of things. That a lot of these supported. sort of places that have been, um, these countries that have been sort of blacklisted, you mm, know, mm-hmm. because they're run by mm. dictators and, you know, that sort of stuff. Yep. One of their ways that they make money is by, you know, like Afghanistan, they produce a lot of heroin yeah mm, and it's because mm-hmm. it's one of the easiest ways for them to generate income mm. you know on the black market and that yeah, sort of right. thing and i think it arrives here first a lot of the time huh. yeah. And then that's it gets... really
1: interesting because i've heard that a lot of it comes through sydney um but it might not be I th- meth
0: i think probably cocaine and that sort of stuff probably yeah. comes through sydney yeah
1: okay
0: um because they're closer to south america yeah. than we are because they, yeah. they would be the natural way you go i didn't even
1: yeah. think of different like transport yeah. for different drugs. But the
0: stuff that comes mm-hmm. from Asia would, would hit us first and then it would yeah, get cut right. as it goes Yeah, I do know up north. I think the last time I heard
3: um, that Asian fellow got picked up up north, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. it's, it's just, so, yeah.
0: such big um, mm-hmm. big uh, sections of coastline that they can't police at all mm-hmm. yeah. effectively. Some of it gets intercepted, but I'd say plenty of it gets through 100%. Yeah. undetected. Yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: and do you, do you think it's easier to get addicted to meth? Yeah,
0: definitely.
1: Yeah, because of that spike? Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. So yeah, and th- th- there's a lot um, gets said about the withdrawal process of with meth because obviously it's, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's different to, to opioids where people mm. get physically, you know, quite sick during opioid withdrawal. Yeah. What's the withdrawal process for meth, which seems to be more of a, I don't know, like a feeling or
3: a? Oh, it's like well, you know, meth targets your in um, the front cortex and stuff mm. with decision making stuff. So mm-hmm. the withdrawal for me, the withdrawal method was wake up. Emotions are real, feelings are real. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like no, a big no, punch no. in the face. Yeah. So it's more like, so you just picture yourself on the couch, depressed, depressed as, mm. you know, eating ice cream, going that oh my down. Oh <laughs> That's yeah. what more withdrawal from meth is like. You're depressed. You're lethargic. You don't do nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, I need, I need, no, I need another fix so I can keep going. You know, because right. I can't function anymore. Yeah. I yeah. feel that. So down. it's
1: almost like a compression of all those emotions that kind of funnel into a – Yeah, so like it's a, like – so, yeah. so you're looking at
3: positive 1,200, right, in your dopamine scale. Think about negative 1,200 in yeah. dopamine scale. You think you're clinically depressed when you're just like sad or just miserable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you just you just can't be bothered doing anything. There's yeah. no motivation. Mm-hmm. It's – yeah. Yeah. Okay. World's ending kind of thing. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Yeah, and th- and then like sleeping and that sort of stuff does that get interrupted quite badly during that withdrawal process? Are you able to sleep properly and, and that's
3: I found I was sleeping too much um, okay. when I was when I was withdrawing when I had a ha- when I had a home when I was with my ex um, yeah I was sleeping a lot okay. like mm-hmm. sat so tell stuck on a couch um, so lethargic. At the moment someone said oh man I've got a bag I was like hey, I'm awake <laughs> yeah. you know I'm coming over um, but yeah the withdrawal um, yeah, really, it's a smelly depression, mm. you know. Like, as long as you keep your water up and all that, um, but still, it's still an early withdrawal. It's all emotional. Yeah. I, for me, I found it's it's, it's all emotional. it so
0: wasn't physical pain or anything like that. Like no, would be with opioids. No, yeah.
3: No, okay. No.
0: And and what sort of medication do they give you to try and deal with that during your detox? So
3: we had I was given ketamine, um, so oh, yeah. it was like antipsychotics. psychotics, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it's just the just the numb the mind, okay, because yeah. I couldn't watch a movie, I couldn't function, couldn't do any meditation because I just had this ongoing movie in my head. So yeah, like I said learning about empathy again, I was learning how to deal with my emotions. So oh, it was all about labeling and identifying emotions. And realizing what they are, and then processing that. Yeah. Um,
1: um, when when did you start rehab?
3: Uh, so I start. I went in my daughter's birthday, so January seven. I started rehab on January fourteen, and I got out September fifteen. Yeah. Okay.
1: And that was twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah,
3: twenty twenty.
0: And so yeah, you okay. you would have been coming out um, maybe around the time we were. We had borders and oh, stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. WIO. Oh, that's yeah. interesting. I, went, I went yeah. in pre-covid to come out post-covid. Yeah, yeah life was, It was so different.
1: That would have been very different. Yeah. yeah.
3: So what? Yeah. Talk us through that. Was a, f- yeah. a few challenges at that point. It was really random. Like we'd have we yeah. we'd heard about the COVID. Uh-huh. Like when, when I was home, so I didn't get too I didn't really hear about it. Didn't really yeah. care about the news. Mm-hmm. Um, then I started hearing about this case in Wuhan. I was like, what's mm-hmm. this about? You yeah. know, what's going on here? You know, this is pretty cooked, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, then, and then we had people coming into the rehab and they would be telling us, oh, people get infected over here, over there, yeah. you know. And you start watching people just freak out. Yeah. Oh, they need to get out of here, you know. Then you heard about the toilet paper crisis. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. You know, I because because we haven't seen it because we were a bubble we got to put we got put in a three month lockdown down mm-hmm. and up okay so it was no visitors allowed no nothing yeah, yeah. and uh, we rarely got told the news because they didn't want to scare us or nothing yeah. yeah so for us it was like we were it was like ignorance is bliss kind of thing mm. but when we come out I remember I remember going to staff for a shop and I a um, kitchen coordinator and I wore a bandana had to wear gloves mm. and everything and went to bustling mm. yeah and I was like wow. This is crazy. Yeah. Like, people looking at us because we had, like, we shopped for a TC so. We shopped for 20 people. So, we had, like, two, free trolleys. Yeah. And people were just getting arky at us. And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was of course. they <laughs> think yeah. that you're hoarding, hoarding all the supplies. Yeah. That. Yeah, because yeah. you can only, like, buy two of everything two of or yeah. something, like, or you can only have two. It was That's just so right. weird. Like, yeah. I was standing right next to people. People were freaking out because yeah. I was standing close <laughs> to them. And um,
1: did you have, like a, like, a... A pass for buying lots of food if you needed it. Yeah, because yeah. um, with
3: that, the, I think the TC rang up at, at yeah, the, yeah, and okay. said, you know, we have to now TC. So really, going. it's
1: just like the customers that are freaking out, yeah, but like the, the staff, know. Yeah. The staff
3: were happy they brought me because last time the staff went by themselves and the staff got attacked pretty yeah, much. Right. Right, okay. so oh, yeah, right. So they just kept staring me stuff. out of bandana and like, why are they staring at me? I think you got robbed the
1: place yeah. a lot. Yeah,
3: they were <laughs> a and I was like, I've got the old bandana and yeah. lot, black <laughs> gloves on. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: that's crazy. It was
3: random, coming but coming out of rehab. It was so funny. Yeah. Just I didn't understand social distancing, you no. know. Oh yeah, fair enough.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Understandable. It's totally
3: different.
0: Yeah. Did you have <laughs> totally like different. televisions and stuff you yeah. your inside so you we're would see al- the news? And- we
3: were allowed to watch T V Fridays um so Fridays at five PM the T V's got turned on. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sorry, six PM, sorry. Mm-hmm. And the TV's got turned off at Sunday, six PM. Okay, so weekends pretty mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what about internet and that sort of stuff? No. Okay, so no, Sorry, it was, it was no to... um, it was just you could do internet. We had we can do online shopping. Okay, um, that was about it. But weren't allowed to use internet. Nothing. It was just pretty much like you're focused on yourself. Yeah, yeah. Work on yourself. No outside influences. Okay, yeah.
0: Because um is one of the ones that doesn't allow you to smoke as well, does it? you had to quit smoking. Yeah, yeah.
3: Okay. And how how was that for you? It. Oh, when I was in the detox, I was allowed to get some chewies, those um, Nicorettes. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in patches. Mm-hmm. Um, I ended up just chewing like a packet of those things. Um, mm-hmm. We got NRTs, nicotine the replacement therapy, mm-hmm. and casual things. Um, yeah, it sucked, mm-hmm. but I was able to quit because um, I was actually I was actually on bail still, believe it or not. So, mm-hmm. so I actually went to court my th- in my third week. I don't so, think we've touched on this. No. So, you've, so you had a run in with. Well, the, I was in bail before as well for breaching the VRO. Was a yeah. Oh Vera. right. Was, I got arrested. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah. So I was actually um, I was actually on bail when I was in rehab. Right. Yeah, okay. So right. I went to court when I was in rehab. Right. Okay. I yeah. mean,
1: they could definitely like keep track of where you are if you're in rehab. Yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I was really lucky. I was looking at three to six years apparently. Right. For oh, breaching bre- a VRO, five breaches. Five, five breaches. Five breaches. So yeah, okay. three to six years. Yeah. That's okay. What I was, that's when my, my lawyer was coming. I was wow. like, wow. You know, and um, yeah, so I was lucky because um, I did a lot of work straight away. I got a Gigi award. It's like an award if you do think something exemplary, you know, mm-hmm. I was doing the work training thing, you know. Mm. Um, so I got my Gigi award, got my $5 lawyer, legal aid, mm-hmm. um, done a really good job. And I asked for a spent conviction, but they gave me a 12-month ISO, so an intensive supervision order. Yep. So I had to do your analysis, have an AOD. So that was 12 months. So I did eight yeah. months of that, 12 months in rehab, and I did the other four outside of yep. rehab. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay.
0: And was there any um, I guess non-residential treatment that you got once you left rehab? Did you stay engaged with,
3: with yeah, therapists so and stuff? As with with the um, ISO, I had to link I was linked in already with with CADS. So okay, my yep. AOD counselor who actually signed me off He was mm-hmm. confident I wouldn't use again. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to do I did one year analysis test. I go to doors um, every now and then. Was, Serena was a bit worried about me going to doors. I had rumours about doors and yeah. right. lies, you know. It was just all just word of mouth. So okay. I'd go back to doors. they my support. I'd go. To, I actually started also going to NA, which is Narcotics Anonymous. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I got to those meetings. They helped. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you still go to them? Yeah, definitely. do oh, yeah. um, I don't know it's my home group. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay.
1: Um, did you start smoking again?
3: Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I go to the casinos. I got bored, that's the thing. But uh, so okay. my, senior, my corrections my attractions officer told me don't do nothing. Yeah. Went to casinos, um, I wanted to socialise. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I didn't want to pick up a drink. So yeah. I'm, I'm completely sober now and off drugs, so I didn't want to drink. Yeah. So to socialise to go outside you know so I bought a packet of smokes and yeah. frying up and that was it bam back on nicotine so yeah. I've been trying to quit it's just yeah mm. it's
1: hard that one yeah it's yeah.
3: getting it's getting more expensive all the time as well it is, isn't it yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: yeah okay well I'd say we're, we've got a pretty good lot of um, conversation there yeah, yeah. and yeah. thanks for being so open and answering all the yeah, queries nice. yeah, that we I have yeah. Appreciate it. yeah but yeah I appreciate mm. your time and right. uh, it's glad to hear that it's it's working out and yeah. You know? Yeah. Your experience is hopefully benefiting somebody else yeah, nice. out there. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thanks. Right. Cheers. Cheers. And that was Lee from Doors Wide Open.
1: A good ending. I think to our series. I I really like talking to Lee. He's pretty uh, chill about everything, very casual, just like the rest of them. Really, very uh, easy to talk to.
0: Yeah, it was a it was a really good day. Um, mm. You know, we went down to Bunbury and um, Dr. Jan Anderson as we've. Um, acknowledged on the (laughs) podcast previously was um, kind enough to to host us at her house and provide a room for us to to sit and chat with everyone uh, and then put on a nice lunch at the end. And we sat and chatted with the people that we spoke to on on the podcast and had lunch and, you know, talking about all sorts of stuff and, you know, how the government's responding to people in need and homeless uh, people with, you know, homelessness issues and drug and alcohol issues and that sort of thing. Um, And, yeah, just really, you know, really... I'd say intelligent and considered conversations um, by people who've seen the other side, you know. Not everyone goes through what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. uh, And now it's great to see that they're using their experience to hopefully try and help other people going through it and make things better, you know, for people in the future. Um, And, you know, obviously it's, it's important to have as many voices as possible. You know, obviously there's people like us that... Are involved in crunching the numbers and doing the research, but their their perspective, having lived through some of these harrowing experiences, is equally, if not more important. Um, I agree.
1: Um, yeah. I think in terms of in terms of research specifically, um, we're quite out of the actual like feeling and understanding of these situations unless we've experienced it ourselves, which uh, just as a Thought. I'm not sure whether this is correct or not, but I would assume that a lot of researchers haven't actually gone through a lot of what they're researching about. Some will have, um, but I would say majority haven't, and we're researching this pretty uh, scary and big topics, and we, we need those voices that have been through it to help everyone and to help everyone get through those situations. So it's so great to have this group of people from doors wide open that are able that yet that are firstly able to tell their story, but to use their experiences to help others—that it's very impressive.
0: Mm. Yeah, we've been very fortunate, um, and yeah, we, we don't um, underestimate the—you know—what it takes to to come on and tell stories that are so personal. You know, that's Absolutely. that's a huge thing. Uh, I don't know if I'd be comfortable sharing those details of my life, for example. You know, I think it'd be pretty oh. tough.
1: Yeah, no, I don't share anything. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they do it. Like a, a, like anything remotely traumatic, I'm like, no thanks. Uh, won't yeah. talk to anyone about that. So, yeah, it's very, very impressive um, how yeah. willing they are to share their stories just yeah. so other people might get some benefit from it. It's Yeah, it's really great.
0: That's it. And, you know, we wish all of them well in their future endeavours, uh, yes. whether they they stick around at doors or whether they move on to, to other things. Um, and obviously in their... Their journey through recovery. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so we hope you've enjoyed these these four episodes that we've brought you over a couple of months. Um, we didn't do them all one after the other because we thought they were fairly intense, some of the stories, mm. and it might get a bit much. You know, listening yeah. to those back to back.
1: We are. We when we filmed the day, I think you and I both, Craig. We are. I know I was a little bit overwhelmed by the end of the day because uh, we did record them all in one day. And uh, afterwards I had a big nap <laughs> when we drove back home uh, yeah. because it it was a lot of emotions and feelings and we really wanted to highlight each person person's story as their own story rather than all consecutively. So yeah. we hope we've done that. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. The, whilst there might have been some similarities, you know, some common themes, there's obviously quite – distinct differences between each of their their experiences and how they ended up, you know, coming into doors and that sort of thing. So yeah, it was good to be able to sort of have them get a bit of breathing space the episodes, you know, with other topics kind of yeah. in between. So yeah, hopefully yeah. you guys have enjoyed listening and I, it's been wonder, some years.
1: I wonder if we'll um have any other series that we'll get to do.
0: Yeah, I yeah. have to have to have a think. Yeah,
1: we will have to have a think. See if we can uh, get some other interviews lined up for yeah. a particular topic. If anyone has any ideas of a topic they'd love us to do a little mini series on, then let us know.
0: Yeah, definitely. If there's if there's one that where you you feel like there might be a few people that yeah. have interesting stories to tell that are that kind of all have a shared experience of some sort. Yeah, we'd be definitely open to to looking at that. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's stop rambling. <laughs> All right. Only uh, if we must. <laughs> uh, so how can people get in touch with us, Courtney?
1: Uh, you can tweet us on Twitter at healthmeanswhat uh, and you can email us as well at meaningofhealthoutlook.com. So contact us. We'd love to have a chat. Uh, about anything and everything, whether you loved or hated the episodes that you've listened to, uh, what your favourite one is, uh, whether you think you'd be a great podcast guest on our podcast, that would be awesome. Uh, we'd love to just talk about anything. So, yeah, yeah. come chat.
0: Yeah. And watch this space. As we have, we do have some interesting episodes coming out in, in the next few weeks as well. We do, uh,
1: yes. We, well, we yeah. always do. We always yeah. do that. That's because every one of our guests is interesting.
0: That's right. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> Th- thanks once again, Courtney. No,
1: thank you, Greg.
0: And thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll be back with you soon. The Meaning of Health podcast is produced with the support of the Education Enhancement Unit and the School of Population and Global Health at the University of Western Australia podcast is produced by Craig Cumming and Courtney Webber with editing mixing and additional music by Craig Cumming